Hello. What I'd like to talk about today is a continuation of the discussions we've had on the last couple of podcasts about the happenings on a spiritual path. There was an interview with a neurologist who was discussing the use of these concentration drugs like Adderall, which is basically speed. And the line that was used was by this neurologist, when I was in college, people used to take drugs to check out. Now they use drugs to check in. When I was in college, people used drugs to check out. Now they use drugs to check in. This sentence really points to what we're up against in our culture at this juncture when we're working on awakening. So this person, first of all, the connotation of checking out is negative. The connotation of checking in is positive, usually, maybe or maybe not. That was this person's intention, but that is what it took away from it. And more importantly, when the discussion is of checking out, what they're talking about is that the person is checking out of their ego, of their sense of I. And the use of substances like Adderall, like speed, like cocaine, and also less strong substances like caffeine, these are concentration drugs. These tonify the sense of the I. I, Abdi, not I, the thing that Abdi looks through. But I, the person, gets tonified. So concentration is king. So we use these substances to tonify the sense of I so we can be productive. Research shows that most people wake up in the Western world and reach for an electronic instrument within 15 minutes of awakening. So the sense of I is further tonified, this story that we have, which is really identification with that aspect of ourselves. From the second we wake up, all day long, to the time we go to sleep, and many of us keep these phones next to our bed, or we check it when we wake up in the night. The important thing to understand here whether you like social media, you don't like it, is how strong the sense of I is. There is no time during the day where it can weaken. And not only that, it is very much encouraged in our culture for it to be as strong as possible. And then when you look at all the stuff that's going on now with Facebook and Google, we realize that sense of I is actually a commodity. That's how these companies make gazillions of dollars. We get a tonified sense of I. These social networks and our surrounding culture tonifies that culture back by reflecting back to us whatever our flavor is. I am this, I'm that. I'm a health freak. I'm a drug freak. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. Everything tonifies a sense of I. So now we have medications that would land you in jail 30 years ago that 
now actually are used with prescription because it makes us more productive because it tonifies that concentration. Again, those meds can be very helpful for some people. I'm not, this is not this is a separate discussion to that. But understand that that's what we're up against. Spiritual practice, spiritual path, is about softening that I. It's about releasing that I. And that I gets tonified by the stories that we tell. We're master storytellers. Our culture now has given us all these tools, what have you, Instagram, Facebook. We are so good at tonifying that sense of I and telling a story with it. Then we have these tools that can offer us a way out. The shamanic journey is a good example of it. We can use mushrooms, ayahuasca, DMT. It has to be remembered that those can then become another story within the story. Sometimes another story can help weaken this story and give us some liberation. Many times that other story takes the place of this story and gets even more tonified and tonifies us in a different story. That is the Achilles heel of spirituality as it is practiced today. Spiritual pride, all the words that were used in the past, can come in in this way of people are attached to this story. It has to remember that none of these things in our truest sense are solid. But because of our fear, because of our attachment to the fear, we can really hold on to these ways of being, these stories, and not release them, not want to soften them. One of the ways to realize that we're moving forward, we talked about anxiety in the past podcast and a fear that can come up, is that as the story weakens, there's a sense of boredom and lack of drama that can come in. It's something that has to be tolerated. And the reason it's difficult to tolerate isn't because we're bored, although there is no time for daydreaming anymore because of all these electronic equipment that's around all of us. We have no time for that. We're in this super beta brainwave go, go, go ability of not being able to actually daydream, which can actually soften the ego in some ways, soften our sense of self. But we have to actually get bored because that is a softening of I. I is very much connected to drama, positive, negative. So again, this is one of the reasons, for example, in the practice of Zen, the third Zen patriarch talks about letting go of aversion and letting go of our preferences. It's not that aversions are bad or preferences are good or vice versa. It's that they both tonify the I. I hate this food. I love this person. I hate this person. I love this food. What is the common denominator? I. So stepping back a little bit, which again, I always tell you, culture is not our friend. Culture very much wants us to identify with I because that's what keeps the game going. So softening that, getting used to being bored, getting used to the lack of drama, is actually part of the practice. The seeking that we've done for eons and eons and eons, that also has to be given up at some point. And that can bring up all kinds of feelings. I know it did for me. 
it's such a rush. It's such a joy. Go here, go there, this teacher, this practice, this modality, this ceremony, this shaman. As we weaken the eye, there's more remembrance. As there's more remembrance, there's more releasing of the story. So again, it has to be remembered that when we have a spiritual practice or shamanic practice, make sure that you have the ability to let that go at some point. Otherwise, you're going to replace one story with another. So much of what's going on in so many ways is that. Is stories taking a place of stories taking a place of the stories. We're not the story. We're not the book. We're not in the pages that are in the book. So who are we? That's what has to be sat with. Who is the I behind this I? That energy is what's going to bring you, bring the remembrance, and bring you the peace that you're looking for, but an aspect of you is not looking. So it's important not to mask these deep energies. They're very dangerous to our body mind. They're very dangerous to everything around us. That's one of the reasons as we deepen our practice, it freaks the shit out of people around us because it threatens their sense of I. So people can get all kinds of energies thrown at them from people. They can get all kinds of, you know, negative feedback. So it's very important to connect with that part of self, have a strong sense of it and strengthen it while releasing it. Now, I've been getting a bunch of emails recently and phone calls with people who, as a part of their process of awakening, are opening up to psychic abilities. Part of that psychic ability, for some people, it can be scary. For some people, it's all kinds of energies that happen at nighttime. They can't go to sleep. So I want to address that. One of the things that's common is when we start getting psychic hits on things. For a lot of people, this one person that had written me recently she was having all these premonitions about people dying, family members, friends of friends would quote-unquote come to her before there was an accident, before there was a passing, if they were old. And she really felt like, what am I supposed to do with this? And the answer is, there's nothing you're supposed to do with this. When we open these aspects of the psyche... There's so much out there that's not visible to the 3 or 4% that we pick up of electromagnetic phenomena that we pick up with our five senses. So there's so much that's invisible that might sound like you're crazy, but you're actually, in fact, not crazy. But there's also a reason many spiritual paths talk about not getting lost in these things, not getting hypnotized by them, not getting hoodwinked by them. They can be fascinating, they can be scary, they can be confusing. Focus on grounding yourself, focus on pulling yourself into your body. Now, in the dream that we're talking about, some of these things can be very scary. One of the things that had come up with a bunch of people recently was they were having these frightening visitors at night, quote-unquote. 
one of the people have discovered that it actually wasn't a negative energy. It was actually a guide, a friend that was disembodied. Now, this might sound woo-woo to the people who don't have these experiences. You can turn this off now. Listen to what I said in the beginning of this podcast and move on. Not interesting for you. For those of you having these experiences, we can have nightmares, we can have wonderful sweet dreams. When you're having a nightmare, when you wake up, nothing has happened. But during the nightmare, it's pretty scary. So understand, I'm saying this to you so you don't have a nightmare, so maybe we can help you not be so frightened by this. Many, many times, these visitations are actually positive and not negative. Even the quote unquote negative ones are teaching tools to put you into place of power to not lose your sense of power Robert Monroe was a guy that I spent some time with in the 80s wrote a book called Journeys Out of Body he was a guy who had taught himself how to leave his body he actually taught thousands and thousands of people to do so using these radio frequencies that you listen to you can still buy his CDs He had a very simple technique, which was basically intention. Anytime before you would go on one of these journeys or learn how to leave your body, which, by the way, is misnomer because there's nobody to leave, but it's an interesting concept, would set an intention for positive energies and for no negative energies to affect them. I'm paraphrasing there. Use your own words. So if you're one of those people who's having this experience at nighttime, before you go to sleep, if you're having a hard time falling asleep, make an intention. One thing I used to do in my 20s when I was having these very frightening experiences, what was frightening to me was before going to bed, I would have a visualization exercise where I would surround my bed, my futon, with light. So all four corners... And above me and below me, so it was like a shoebox of light. These are all mental constructs. And I would intend for positive energy only to be able to come in and nothing else. And lo and behold, I would sleep better, weird things wouldn't come in. As my body got stronger, as my psyche got stronger, I didn't need it. But it certainly helped me when I was scared shitless at nights with these quote-unquote visitations. Now, going back to that person who had the realization that this energy that was visiting her was actually positive and not negative, understand when we're in these realms that we have forgotten or don't have experience with, everything is going to be frightening because it's other. Decades ago, I used to do hypnosis with trauma patients, abuse patients, and I would take them back to their childhood pre-verbal, and to work on feeling and releasing. And what was interesting is, several times, people reported these aliens around them. So this is pre-verbal, and I'm like, whoa, this is aliens, Pleiadians, what's going on? And what that was, where these people were describing their parents, or a caretaker, or a grandmother, or a grandfather, Because it was precognition in terms of verbal connection, visual connection, these were these blobs, because the senses haven't been formed yet, that was the experience of the infant, was an alien. 
And then as they got older, nine months and one-year-old and one-and-a-half-year-old, they had a sense of that this person is a mother, a father. So understand, if you're having these energies, it's really possible that these are just aspects of self, which is what it all is, but they're not some negative thing. It's just that you're not used to it. And again, remember, it's definitely fun. You can travel these realms, check them out. Don't get lost in them. There's a reason, again, why all these ancient spiritual practices talk about letting go of these experiences because they're distractions. They're, again, another story. And there's a trillion stories behind this story that we so adamantly want to say is our reality. So, the grounding piece is really important. Spending a little bit of time away from everything and all things electronic just to get a sense so you can hear your own voice is really important. Paying attention to what happens when things calm down in your nervous system. Learning to tolerate that. Not sitting having a practice and then jumping to the next thing or the next thought or the next worry. Those are all ways of keeping the story going. And there's nothing wrong with getting the story going. All we have is time. Gazillion years of time. Just don't confuse it with wanting to let the story go. Awakening is about letting the story go. Many times, I come across people who've had a spiritual awakening, who've had a shamanic journey, and they think that's it. Trust you me, I've never seen that's it. It's always a long-ass process. I never met Ramana Maharshi, I never met Nisargadatta Maharaj. My sense is, for them it was a long process. It wasn't just this instant. That instant is an invitation. Depending how ready we are to let the story go, for some of us we can let it go sooner, some of us it can take decades. When the Dalai Lama talks about all these experiences, he had the best teachers, Khansaran Pusha, all these wonderful, wonderful teachers. And then, I don't know, in his late 50s, 60s, he talks about really starting to understand nothingness and how that deepened his understanding even more. So understand that this is a process, it's not an event. And on the topic of nothingness, remember that Nisargadatta line that I share with you from I Am That. He would say, when you realize you're nothing, that's wisdom. When you realize you're everything, that's love. You want to live your life between the nothingness and the everything, between the wisdom and the love. When the awakening process happens, it's very easy to get lost. I'm everything. It's all love and get lost in that. That's not going to work out too well for you. It's also very easy to get lost in the nihilistic part. Well, this is nothing. This is all a dream. It's all bullshit. That's not going to work out too well for you. Because it's both and it's neither. So it's that cute little four negations. Not this, not that, neither either, neither both. What is that to do? That's just to tie up your mind because your mind can't grasp it. But feel what I'm telling you. So I've come across a couple of people recently who've really gone even deeper. But then they can get stuck in that nihilistic part. Well, this is nothing. 
It's all about not getting bored and allowing this to deepen and to deepen and to deepen. Whatever you do, do it as a free person. That's the important thing. I send you lots of love, as I always do, and I always remind you, you are that you seek.